0: Good morning, church. It's nice to see so many people today, and uh, I must say I am—I'm not surprised that many people are not here today. We predicted that yesterday. See, you become a prophet after a while, right? <laughs> you can predict what's happening. But uh, I just want to greet those of you at home. I hope you're up and you're watching online. It's good to be here. I know that it has been a wonderful service yesterday. I was truly blessed and, uh, and, and with having so many people attending, and it was, it was such a joy. And I want to thank the ushers for doing a wonderful job of keeping everybody well-behaved. That was wonderful. It's good to see. And, and those who, are not here to, those who did, were not here today, I just want to welcome my warmest greetings to you uh, for this beautiful season. Now, no matter how young or old you are, Receiving gifts gives so much joy for every one of us. We all love to receive gifts. Even if the fact that somebody is going to give you a gift, it doesn't matter what the gift is. You love it. You want to receive it. Now, it means that someone has thought about you, someone cares about you, you were in somebody's mind. That's what it simply means. And usually it happens on birthdays and anniversaries, but this Christmas season... Almost everyone is receiving a gift. I'm using the word almost because some, some, some people are not fortunate to receive gifts. But the question is this. I want to start by asking a question. How many of you can remember the gifts that you received last Christmas, two years ago, or maybe five years ago or ten years ago? Most of us have forgotten or cannot recall that. The truth be told, what was special at the time you received the gifts, it loses its value as time goes on. That's the truth. What was the best gift you have ever received? Is there a gift that impressed you? Let me ask you a question. If there's something that you can remember that has left a mark on you, that that I remember this, it happened five years ago, it happened ten years ago, it's a feeling of which that you are not able to describe today, this morning. I know that for my birthday about three years ago, I, I have received so many gifts, trust me. I thank everyone for giving me gifts, and, 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 and God has blessed me immensely. But three years ago, for my, one of my birthdays, I received a gift that I'll never forget till the Lord calls me home. My daughter-in-law came and gave me a small strip, and she said, Dada, this is something special for your birthday. And that is to show that she has conceived a child. For me, that made a huge impact. I mean, there are many gifts people are given out of love and so on, but then that really melted my heart when I received that. Have you ever experienced an indescribable gift? What kind of gift would it be to be called indescribable, open the box and wow, it's amazing not because of the monetary value, because of what the gift truly represents so it's given by someone who is very special and and it was a complete surprise and what is that indescribable gift in your life, my text this morning is taken from 2 Corinthians 9.15 and listen to what Apostle Paul says here And he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Everybody say the word indescribable. Indescribable gift. And, you know, I like to look at different translations or different versions, and I, and I present it on the screen for you. The message says, thanks be to God, sorry, thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. And uh, New Century Version says, thanks be to God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. And ASV says, thanks be to God for his in- unspeakable gift. And ESV says, of course, the same thing as the NKJV, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So this is Paul's concluding benediction in one of the richest statements in the Scripture. John MacArthur puts it this way, about this particular verse. This is what he says. God's indescribable gift is, of course, his son, the most magnanimous, glorious, wonderful gift ever given, the gift that inspires all other. That's how John MacArthur puts it. So as I examine this God's gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I see there are four aspects to this. That would cause me to echo with Apostle Paul and say, yes, Christ is the indescribable gift. So that's what I want to walk you through today, this morning. Firstly, it is indescribable because the Christ of Christmas is a personal gift. It's a personal gift for me. Now... When it's a personal gift, it is normally when you call a gift a personal gift, is if it is custom made for you. That's when you can call it a personal gift. Otherwise, it's not a personal gift. Now, recently, one of the sisters knitted a muffler for me. It was handmade, given it to me for Christmas as a gift. And she chose the color that would suit me and would be fitting for me. That... Is a personal gift. Now, from the little age, small age, I have, a, I had a bad habit, and I still have it. I love Odiclone. I love perfumes. So growing up, I always spray the Odiclone on me, even when I was in grade 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, to this age, I do that. My mom used to hide the Odiclone because I finish it very fast. Now I'm grown up, I'm an old man, I still love it. I love perfumes. Now there's a brother who spotted my weakness and gives me perfumes for all of my special events. That is a personal gift. That is what a personal gift. Now we are all familiar with Psalm 23, isn't it? Many of us can speak it in a sleep. We can just close our eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. You can go on and on and on. Years ago, the great actor Richard Burton was given a grand reception in his childhood parish. While replying to the complimentary speeches in the parish auditorium, he asked if there was anything they especially wanted to hear from him. After a minute's pause, his old pastor asked him if he could recite the Good Shepherd Psalm, Psalm 23, which he had taught Burton in his Sunday school. A strange look came over the actor's face. He paused for a moment and then said, I will, on one condition, that after I had recited it, you, my pastor and teacher, will do the same. So this old retired pastor, he said, I am not an actor, and if you wish, okay, I'll do that. So here's what happened. This is a true story. Impressively, the actor began the psalm. His voice and intonation and modulation were perfect. He held his audience spellbound and as he finished a great burst of applause broke from the audience and went on for a few minutes with standing ovation. As he died away the old pastor rose from his wheelchair and he began to recite the same psalm. His voice was feeble shivering, and the tone was not faultless. But when he finished, there was not a single dry eye in the room. So the actor rose and his voice trembling as he said, Ladies and gentlemen, I reached your eyes and ears, but my pastor has reached your hearts. Then he went on to say, The difference is this, I know the psalm, but my pastor knows the shepherd. I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. So when David wrote, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He did not say the Lord is a shepherd. He did not say the Lord is our shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. My means he's a personal possession. You know, as you know, my little grandson is learning to talk now. One of the words that he has picked up so fast is mine. Mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. So what he means that it is covered with my drool, practically crushed in my little fist and I treasured it as if it is the only toy I have in my life. It is my personal possession. You can't touch it. It's mine. Church, the great news is this. This Jesus Christ is your personal gift. Is your personal gift. That's why David presents this in this way in Psalm 129 and is a very startling and beautiful uh, reminder for us. Look at this passage. Oh Lord, you have searched me. Not anyone else. You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar of off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. See how many me and my are in this text. What a personal gift the Lord Jesus Christ is to David. And as you skim through the pages of the scriptures, you see that he is not only a personal shepherd. Look at this. The Lord is the portion of my cup. The Lord is my portion, not someone else's portion. He is my portion. He is my personal portion. When I consider the Lord is my our portion, I am reminded that He is all I need. So in all the areas of life where I, where I may feel insufficient or weak, He is enough. But not only that, look at another, another passage of scripture here. The Lord is my rock, the psalmist says. He is my rock. The Lord, when the, with the Lord as my rock, I learn that he will stabilize and ground me when I feel shaky. My rock. And not only that, look at this. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. When I consider the Lord my salvation, I take refuge in him. When I run to him, he welcomes me, he defends me, he protects me, and he preserves my life. That's what the psalmist is saying. Not only that, look at the another one here. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength, and he helps me deal with the fears that rise up in me. So he gives me what I need to make it through, whatever the day brings. So when the scripture tells me, That the Lord is my shepherd, my portion, my rock, my salvation, my strength. In other words, the scripture is shouting out, just like my grandson saying, the Lord is mine. Personal. Is my portion. Is my rock. My strength. My salvation. My shepherd. So he is a personal God to every one of you. To me. But is he your personal God? He is giving that privilege to every one of us. That is why Paul calls him an indescribable gift. Now, one of the titles or names that Jesus has is Emmanuel. That means God with us. This Jesus has become, for all who choose to make room for him, at the end of their heart, he becomes a personal God, God with us. So a gift that could not be more personal. So the first thing is that Paul says it's indescribable because it's a personal gift. Secondly, Paul says it's indescribable because it is a practical gift. It is a practical. Let me explain that to you. When I buy a gift for someone, I want it to be not only personal, but I want that to be practical. You know, for one of my birthdays, you must be thinking, Pastor must be getting a lot of gifts. I still can take a lot, trust me. In one of my birthdays, I was given a toolbox by one of my children. Now, you might think, you no, know, what is a toolbox got to do here? I loved it. It's a portable, a nice bag. I have it in the trunk of my car. It's, it's a very practical gift for me. And I have made use of it many, many times. Hear me out, church. People might bring us what we deserve sometimes. Okay, looking at somebody, this is the best thing for this person to to, to give. It can become very practical. But on the other hand, I want you to know that the Lord is going to give us something that we don't deserve. You might need it desperately, but you don't deserve it. You have not earned it. He will give it to you. Now, for example, if I, if I am poor and I am unable to have a meal, I am not looking for a brand new shirt from you. What I need is food on the table. That's what I need. I may not deserve it. I mean, you see, some people sometimes on the streets. Sometimes the thought that comes to our mind, let's face it, re- the reality, or oh, they don't, we, they don't deserve it. We try to form a wrong opinion about the people who are standing outside. We don't know the story of their lives. We think maybe they are using it for different wrong purposes. But there must be need there. We might think they don't deserve it, but they truly need. Is, is something for, to meet their basic needs. Now, God sees it, and he gives you what you truly need. So what is that, that we desperately need that you long to receive it, but no one else is able to provide it for you? Let me explain this to you. We can never afford to have it because the scripture is very clear. For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death, say the Bible, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the practical gift to us that God is given to us in the form of Jesus Christ is forgiveness that no one can give no one can give jesus is more concerned with what's on inside look at this passage of scripture here blessed are the pure in heart he wants he says for they shall see god so his practical gift is to cleanse our hearts This changes us from the inside, transforming transforming our attitudes and our action. God has carefully thought about the practical gift in Jesus Christ. For he knew mankind, you and me, needed forgiveness desperately than anything else. However, church, we must want the gift in order to receive it. It's one thing that somebody is willing to give you, but you must want it and you must receive it. We need to pray with the writer of Psalm 51. David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When you ask, He gives. He's ready to give. It's an indescribable gift that God, God alone can give to us. If you confess, He is faithful and just, He's ready to give. But what is that you have to do? You have to confess. You have to come with a contrite heart. You know, I want you to consider this for a moment, please. You have put so much thought and effort of look at it, looking at it and saying, okay, my daughter Sandy, she needs this. And I've I, I put so much thought to it. I, I've gone to the extent of making this gift, and I'm bringing it, and with, with much excitement, I'm coming and giving it to her. How crushing it would be for me if she opens it and discards it and never looks at it. You don't realize that's what you're doing to the Lord. Many of us. You know, I remember when I, was, when I first started working, way back when, so many decades ago, from my first salary, I thought I must buy a sari for my mother. You know, I got very little salary. I was an apprentice. I was just after graduating. So my first, I was in the training. So I got, I don't know, 70, 80 rupees or something like that. And the sari cost me about 40 or 50 rupees. So imagine, I've spent most of it on a sari. I came home and I gave it to my mother. And she didn't want to hurt me. She got it very gladly. She hugged me. He kissed me, everything. That was fine. I was excited. I came there after two weeks. I saw that sari as a bed sheet for our bed. How depressing that can be for you. You know what we don't realize? That's what you are doing to the Lord. He wants to give us forgiveness. And he went to the extent of, we'll talk about it in a minute, of giving his life for that forgiveness. But we say, oh great. Yes, thank you. Let me keep it here. That's what you're doing, church. You know, your past may be stained with regrets. With God, you are offered a spotless future. So this gift that we are talking about is, becoming, is, is known as the indescribable gift because of what this gift can do. You read that in Luke and narrative in chapter 7, there was this unknown woman who came to see Jesus in a Pharisee's home And not only did she know herself to be a sinner, but everybody gathered around her knew it, because you could say her reputation preceded her. She came to the Lord, and the Lord was seated there, the Pharisee was there. She came weeping, and she started washing the feet of the disciples with the most expensive alabaster oil, and you know the story. The Pharisee doesn't really see him as much of a sinner. So he considered himself morally upright, and he, he says he keeps the law. He probably thought to himself, I would never live like this lowly prostitute. That's what he would have thought. He really doesn't regard himself as much of a sinner. So how then does he treat Christ as a result? He treats Christ as a, just a common, ordinary person. He doesn't give him a proper greeting. He doesn't wash his feet. He was shocked when Jesus doesn't recoil in disgust when the woman was there. But the woman knew who Christ was and what he is capable of giving. By comparison, church, how did she treat God? With weeping, she started washing the feet of Jesus. She came with the contrite heart. Her love, she has endless love for what Christ was offering. If you know how much you have been forgiven, you will love him much. If you know the depth of your sin, you will love Jesus greatly. You will never get over the vastness of God's mercy in his forgiveness of you. This is a practical gift. That is why it's called the indescribable gift. Thirdly, it is not only a personal gift and a practical gift, it is a permanent gift. It is a permanent gift. You know, this gift is something that has a lasting value. The gift that you receive from the Lord. That we could treasure way beyond Christmas Day, something that will never, ever perish. It's permanent and is not perishable. That is why we see in this passage of scripture, bear with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. The gift that you receive is going to give you the result of that is permanent and everlasting life. Forever and ever. That's what everlasting simply means. The impact of Christmas, Christ of Christmas never perishes. It receives the everlasting life. So Christmas isn't about those gifts that you have under the tree right now. All those things will one day will perish, trust me. After a while, I, because I go and pick up a second uh, used goods for, to send to Sri Lanka for the missions. And some of them, these are the Christmas gifts that we received. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to receive it. Because this will all perish. This will all be gone one day. We spend a lot of time, talents, and treasure to put so much stock in what we have here and now, not realizing, but everything is going to pass away. Life is about what happens beyond the grave church. It's not about what's happening right now. Life is about knowing the God who made you and who gave you the greatest gift that you will ever receive. Well, God, our Heavenly Father knows that we are all in danger. We are at risk spending eternity. That's why God sent Jesus. It was to give us the opportunity to go to heaven. Look at this passage of Scripture here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. That is a permanent gift. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's a permanent gift. So life without Christ is a hopeless end, but life with Christ has an endless hope. You know, even yesterday I mentioned this to you, church. In afterlife, there are only two distinct locations. Either you go to heaven or you go to hell. We spoke about that yesterday. And wherever that you go, you are permanent. That place is permanent. You cannot go back and change your destiny at that time. But those who die and go to heaven are those who have received eternal life. They'll be with God for all eternity. So the question is, how do you become one of these? How do you receive this eternal life? Those who are maybe listening to the message for the first time may be asking this question. Pastor, it's great. I'm excited about the message, but how do I receive it? Look at this passage. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him, And this eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. As clearly pointed out in our text above, Jesus Christ came for the main purpose of taking us to eternity with God. See that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Do not sit down and analyze the fact, am I one of those chosen ones? If the Spirit of the Lord is convicting you today, you are a chosen one. What are you going to do with the conviction? What are you going to do with the conviction? Those who have trusted in Christ are those who are given to Christ. Those who have already received eternal life through Him, salvation is eternal life, church. Salvation is eternal life. So the uniqueness of this gift is that this is a permanent gift. It can only come from one source. What is the source? Jesus Christ. You know, Anthony was walking us through during the pre-service prayer. Is Christ and Christ alone. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ is the only one who died for our sins and rose again. He is the only source that we have. Is not only He is the only source... It, this, this offer of eternal life is been given to everybody as God has chosen. But the point is that if you are convicted, it's up to you to respond. It's up to you to respond. But here's the most important part. I want you to listen. If when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, Christ has promised not to cast us out. Look at this passage. Sorry. Am I missing something here, son? I'm sorry, just give me one minute. This passage must be bringing you a lot of comfort. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. You may be facing troubles and trials of different kinds but the Bible says He will not cast out. It's a permanent gift that you receive in the form and then through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a precious unconditional promise from the Savior. This Is a permanent gift. So we looked at three things. Why is it called the indescribable gift? It's a personal gift. It's a practical gift. It's a permanent gift. Fourthly, it is a purchased gift. It is not a recycled gift as most of you have done it during this Christmas time. You get it. I don't like it. Let's give it to somebody else. I'm not saying you do it. I do it maybe. I don't know. It's common. Let's face it. And we have reasons for that. We say, okay, I already have a rice cooker. Why do I need another second rice cooker? Let me give it to somebody. But that is not how Jesus came into this world. Jesus gave God's gift to us was a purchased at a high price. It didn't come for us free. It cost him a huge amount of money. And we should not cheapen it by discarding it lightly. See, when I went, I was still a a young adult, I would say. When I went to the house and I saw my sari being spread on the bed, how do you think I would feel? You don't cheapen the gift. It is a purchase price. There was a lot of sacrifice that was made. God gave his only son. We couldn't save ourselves, so Jesus came to rescue us. Church, a gift is not a gift when it does not cost you. It's not a gift when it doesn't cost you. You know, David was, if you look at 2 Samuel, David was, he wanted to build, erect an altar, and when the threshing floor to erect the altar was offered free to David, this is what David said. A good lesson that we can learn from him. No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my burnt my God, my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David says that. A gift is not a gift if it doesn't cost you. David knew that it would not be a gift nor a sacrifice unto the Lord if it did not cost him something. He didn't look for the cheapest way possible to please the Lord, but most of us do that. The Bible says it is an indescribable gift and was slain from the foundation of the world. Look at this passage. Oops. Hmm. Interesting. Sorry, I'm learning something new here. Okay, one more click, son, please. One more click. Thank you. No, one more click. One more. Keep going. One more. I think you have gone way back. Keep going. No, you're good. Go the other way, okay? <laughs> Go the other way. One more. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm sorry. It's my fault, maybe. On uh, Revelation 13:8, please understand this: All who dwell on the on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, what what we are taking from this passage is that this indescribable gift was slain from the foundation of the world. Make no mistake of it, this gift that God has given to us was the most sacrificial thing he possibly could have offered. It came with a huge, huge price. Church, as, we, as I wrap up this message, I just wanted to point to another passage from Peter's epistle. This is what Peter says. For you know, in 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with the mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So my question to you as we look at this Indescribable price gift that was given to us. How are we responding to that during this Christmas time? It is a personal gift for us. He is my shepherd. He is my portion. He is my rock. He is my strength. He is my salvation. Is it true of Him in your life? It's a practical gift. He is offering us forgiveness. To every one of us, are you getting that gift from him? It's a permanent gift once you have it. You get it and it's used for eternal life. And it cost him his life to give this gift for us. This is why Paul calls it the indescribable gift. But the issue is this church. I know that some of us receive gift vouchers or these cards, you know, the gift cards. When it, when does it become valuable for us? Only when you redeem it. If you don't redeem it, this has got no... Oh, you, you got it, Sandhya. Can you click one more time, please? Per- perfect. It is, it is only valuable or it becomes some kind of a meaning if you can redeem it. So this morning my appeal to you is this. Let us redeem. Let us receive it. If you have not received him, receive him today. If you have already received him, renew your relationship with him today. Because it is a personal gift for you. It is a practical gift for you. It is a permanent gift for you. It came at a high cost. So this morning as we are about to partake in the Holy Supper, I just want us to understand who this Christ of Christmas is. Can I have you to come here please, son? I want us to understand who this Christ of Christmas is and what he has done so that we can have this freedom, that we can have this eternal life. Now what we are about to do in partaking in this this Holy Supper is we are simply obeying what the Lord has commanded us to do. Now you will be receiving these emblems. You will receive the wafer. You will receive the grape juice. As you are receiving it, let us understand this indescribable gift. As you hold that wafer... I want you to know that is that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you on the cruel cross of Calvary. May that remind you that was the purchase price. May that remind you the significance of the sacrifice that was made. And as we drink the grape juice, may that remind you the blood that was shed for us on that cross, cruel cross of Calvary, so that you can experience that forgiveness. And you can have him permanently as your personal Lord and Savior and spend your eternity with him. That is permanent church. That's what matters. Every wealth that we have today, you're going to leave behind. No U-Haul would follow the curse, right? You know that. You're going to leave everything behind. You know, as you get older the term that is very common in old people's homes including mine is how do i downsize i don't know if there are a word called upsize i'm just trying to use the opposite because as you are growing up you want to upsize it what do i buy how do i how do i how do i buy uh, buy furniture and, and beds and so and then now you come to my age how do i get rid of these beds and how do i get downsize because you can't take a, a u haul with you but god what matters most is life with Christ in eternity.